have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. A new world order. Child sex trafficking. The deep state is trying to destroy Donald Trump's presidency. Loose the battle plans of heaven. It's all about control. Broadcasting live to the world now. It's the weekend vigilante, Sheila Zielinski. Today's program was made possible by the generous prayer and support of the faithful friends and partners of this ministry. Visit our new website at Sheila.media. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Sheila Zielinski Show. Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to listen to the program. And what a great program it is today. I want to jump right into it. My guest is Dr. Danny Morano. He is a good friend of the show and is always a pleasure to have him on. Danny Morano, welcome to the program, sir. It is a pleasure to have you back on. Thank you, Sheila. Great to be on. So good to have you on. Well, I'm sure you're no stranger to this. One of the things that I'm really noticing, I think I can probably speak for a lot of my audience too, that recognizes this is there's a real intensification of evil. And it just seems like the more evil society gets, the more they're embracing complete mindlessness. You know, the Christian church is embracing every kind of doctrine of devil, everything from charismatic witchcraft to new age to Gnosticism and even theosophy is being embraced by the church. I mean, the church is just getting overrun with a steady diet of these doctrines of demons. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been going on for some time. And unfortunately, as we get closer and closer toward the end and more influences come in from other places, it goes further and further away. And also, the further we get away from any foundational understanding of correct doctrine from generation to generation, it's like a bad copy of something. The more it gets copied, with each copy, you lose more and more quality. And that's what has happened. I mean, these things that you mentioned, these schools of thought, when they started, they were wrong and they were erroneous and their origins uh, were not pure. But as we go from generation to generation, it gets even worse because the initial proponents of, of many of these things, they started out in what we might call in theological language in an orthodox environment. Today, younger people, especially when we look now at what we call the millennials and stuff, okay, let's say, you know, 30 and under, you know, they have no foundation at all of anything uh, solid when it comes to what we would call biblical or scriptural knowledge and true, pure church tradition even. They're just coming in cold, and from the time they step even into the, through, come through the doors of what we call the church, they're already getting what you mentioned already is this Gnostic gospel. Yeah. Uh, that's so far away, even from, I mean, I wrote a book and you've interviewed me on it a few times where I call it the sinner's prayer gospel. But this is even, we, we've gone even further than that now. Uh, the young people, when they come into these seeker-friendly fests and stuff, they're not even getting the sinner's prayer gospel yeah. anymore. They're just getting, you know, I would say the Oprah gospel, okay? <laughs> you know, they're just getting this this New Age, Gnostic, Eastern religious, spiritualist, 
potpourri of, you know, treachery as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Uh, you can't tell the difference. It's interesting. I was reading a book because I'm doing a deep study on Gnosticism because I'm in the second uh, volume of my book, Exposing the Counterfeit Church. I'm going to deal with Gnosticism. And I want to compare the the old Gnosticism that appeared when the first when the church first started with what's being done today that is also of the same Gnostic origins. And I was reading this book on Sophian Gnosticism. Sophia means wisdom in Greek and is also associated with the Greek goddess Sophia. And in Gnosticism is also associated with the female god that was above what is called the Demiurge, which we would say is the God of the Old Testament or God the Father, okay? And this Sophia was the good God, and this Demiurge, the God of our Old Testament or the Father of the Trinity, was a rogue God who created this, you know, earth and and everything in it in a bad way. The total opposite of what we read in Genesis, where God says he, you know, created everything and he said it was good. It's the opposite take in Gnosticism. But I was reading this and it was interesting because the last couple chapters were about the goal of Gnosticism. And the goal of Gnosticism was, listen to the words now, Sheila, prosperity, peace, success, perfection. And if I were to read you a page or two from that book, and not tell you what I was reading from, you would think I was reading from today's Christian teachers. Same exact stuff. Wow. No d- and this guy, however, and I want to stress this point, he does not believe in a literal resurrection. He does not believe that Jesus is uniquely the Christ, the Messiah. Okay? He believes that he was an example of the Christ consciousness that each one of us are meant to achieve. And through the practice of Christian Gnosticism, okay, perfecting the inner self, reaching into that divine spark within us that we've been created with because we've been created in the image of God. Uh, Again, we're talking here, Sheila, no conversion, no repentance, no born-again experience, no sin. None of that stuff is in this guy's doctrine. It's just about ignorance, Ignorance versus enlightenment or illumination. And I want you to think about that because that's what's being preached in the the contemporary churches today. There's no repentance in there in that gospel. There's no sin consciousness. It's all about those things that I said this this Gnostic heretic quoted: perfection, success, prosperity, peace, and the system of knowledge and keys in secret knowledge, okay, which is spiritual knowledge, not just knowledge of facts like I know 2 plus 2 equals 4, uh, think that kind of knowledge. But this is about an inner knowledge, a divine spark within each person. Learning those keys and that system of uh, secret inner knowledge that brings you into a Christ consciousness that causes you to be able to achieve and attain all the things that you want for your life. Let me put it in today's Christianese, okay? Fulfilling your dream, reaching your potential with God. So there's no difference between reading that guy's book and picking up Osteen or Meyer or 
Jakes or, you know, and a million other of these guys and, and women that are preaching this kind of the word of faith movement, which you mentioned, Theosophy. It's the same thing. So young people, especially, I would say even, I said 30, but I would say even 40 and under, have never come in and gotten the original teaching about sin, repentance. I mean, you should see the fight. I mean, absolute. I mean, they want to murder me for bringing up the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But even the fight that I <laughs> yeah. had about water baptism, yeah, yeah, how legalistic it is to be baptized in water. What, what do you need that for? You know, thief on the cross and all this kind of retarded logic. And so that's the sad thing. So they have nothing to build upon. They're not rebelling against anything. You know, these others that went off, you know, 40, 50 years ago that started these schools, these word of faith schools that were really taken from, um, were a mixture of theosophy with some pseudo biblical concepts, you know, people like Hagen and so on and Pastor Copeland and Dollar and the rest of these heretics, uh, But still, those people, they grew up with some semblance of the Word of God being preached. But this generation, it's not even in there. It's it's Super Soul Sunday. You were talking about Sophia. There's really this cunning mixture of feminism and goddess worship really being promulgated as well. And a robot that once said it would destroy humans just became the first robot citizen. Saudi Arabia, the first country to grant citizenship to a robot. But here's the part that I found so shocking, Danny. They named her Sophia, that Gnostic goddess. The Book of Wisdom of Solomon, written by Alexandrian Jews in the Hellenistic era, renames Kokma as Sophia, the Greek word for wisdom. In this text, Sophia takes over the powers and functions of God and the creation stories told using, as Danny just said, the word she as holy and all-powerful. You know, even Wonder Woman is out on video now. It's a big movie this year. Wonder Woman's character is very Marvinia, Aphrodite, the pagan myths and legends. She's called a goddess. Amazons were princes of the Amazonian warrior woman, a high priestess of witchcraft and pagan sorcery. And these goddesses are all interchangeable. Sophia, Maya, Gaia, Diana, Ishtar, Isis. I mean, pick your feminine deity, but these are really emerging now in society. Yes, and there's also, uh, if you get into Gnosticism and and a lot of the teachings of it, and if you get into these uh, more extreme occult things, there's always the aspect of the transgender. Yeah. The very Baphomet is not only a hybrid of... Enochic legend, okay, of fallen angel with with women and animal mixed together with with uh, human beings, but it's of a bisexual nature. The Baphomet is a transgender, and in all the Gnostic teaching as well, if you get into the writings of of many of these, you know, Valentinian and. Sethian and all these different type of Gnosticism. There's always this aspect of the bisexual God. God is bisexual. And I want you to think about our culture today now, what's going on in our culture with all the transgenderism that's being shoved down our throats. Bisexual with the emasculation of the man and the, and the usurping of the leadership role by the woman. The woman being exalted by the man, okay? I mean, we have this in every 
popular stream of anything that would even uh, lend itself to popular Christianity. I mean, look at the success of the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. This Dan Brown took from this scam that these two French guys pulled off back in the 70s. From you know, If you've ever been familiar with a book called Holy, Blood, Holy Grail, Holy Blood, or Holy Blood, Holy Grail, and it was a scam. It was a con, this whole priori of Zion and all this stuff with the Knights Templar and the whole story they tell. It's a big scam. It was a big joke that they played on everybody. And this Dan Brown picked up on that and made a mint from his novel. And, of course, then, you know, Tom Hanks played in the movie and they pushed this whole thing. And, again, what was the push? The push was the sacred feminine. It was the exaltation now of another form of the same goddess, with all those names that you mentioned, you can add this one to it, of Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdala. You know, the gospel of Mary Magdalene was found in the 19th century, and it's placed along with all the other Gnostic gospels, and she plays a big role in the pagan Gnostic gospels that were found at Nag Hammadi in 1945. You know, where Mary Magdalene is the chief apostle, and of course, in you know, the Da Vinci Code, borrowing from these Gnostic myths goes as far now as to make her Jesus's wife. And of course, they you know, they have a child together, you know, so now we have a bloodline. So now we have that same Nephilic scenario running through. Now it's all about supernatural slash human bloodline. Okay, uh, and and if you you know, I know many of your listeners may be looking into the bloodlines, you know, of the of the Nephilim, and looking into the bloodlines of the elite who have kept those bloodlines going since the beginning of of time, even before the flood, and then after the flood, you know, the shining ones, all right, have kept this bloodline going all these millennia. And they continue, and now they're they're going to bring it to a climax when we come to the hour of the beast and the false prophet. And it exalts again the sacred feminine, the turning upside down of everything that God has placed in its proper order. Of course, we have in the Roman Catholic witchcraft the exaltation of Mother Mary, which those of us who are studied, we know that that's not Mary at all, that that's Semiramis. We know that that baby that people are looking to and calling Jesus is not Jesus. That's Tammuz, okay, the offspring of supposedly Nimrod and Semiramis, which was an incestuous uh, relationship, okay? Mother slash wife, Semiramis, was supposedly uh, Nimrod's mother and his wife, and they produced this aberration of a child called Tammuz that we see in the book of Ezekiel, even Israel, the priest of Israel, turning their backs to the temple and turning toward the east and weeping along with the women for Tammuz, okay? And all our holidays that are connected to that, like the the one that Christians want to celebrate more than any other, Christmas, and then we have Easter. It's actually the right pronunciation, Easter, which is about the goddess, okay, from the Persians, you know, from the Persian name, Ishtar. It's all the same goddess. It's all the same. And this is what we have. And so we have this transgender push that's going on in society, and people don't realize what that's connected to. That's connected to all this occult worship based 
on this whole script that we're talking about. So people don't realize, they think it's just a carnal issue, a fleshly issue. Oh, boys want to be girls and girls want to be boys. And uh, men want to, you know, chop off their manhood and submit to their wives and so on and so forth. And, and we have all this weirdness going on and they think it's just perversion. But they don't realize that it's connected to this deep spiritual root of Gnosticism. Okay, that goes all the way back to the ancient occult religions and practices, and even back before the flood. Satan always wants to turn God's order on its head. He started in the garden. What did he do? He went to the woman, and he got the woman to usurp the man's authority and got the man to emasculate himself by submitting to the woman as his authority because he wanted to what? Please her. Yeah. Well, look at this crap that's going on, men taking classes to unlearn toxic masculinity. There's this rethink program. Feminists are rooting out what they've deemed toxic masculinity, not by giving men a positive model of masculine virtue, you know, the chivalrous knight thing, but by neutering them until no masculinity exists at all. Emasculating men, feminizing men. You know, it, we just see this plethora of this in, in society today. And when you have all these doctrines of devils that are coterminous with all this, then how would you know the real thing when you even see it? A good example of this, and I did a show on this, Jesus Calling, the number one Christian devotional. Somebody just sent me a screenshot. This is a good example of it. The divine balance between masculinity and femininity. What devotional? The number one Christian devotional. And I did a whole show on this, Jesus Calling by Sarah Young, that is straight out of the bowels of hell itself. And if you have a copy of that, get rid of it. Because I'm going to tell you right now, that thing is nothing more than a cornucopia of New Age, Gnosticism, and mysticism, all blended into a so-called daily devotional. Jesus calling. Something's calling all right, but it's not Jesus in that devotional. Yes. Well, I mean, if we do a study on Jesus, okay, and we look into this Jesus that they're worshiping, the true Yeshua Mashiach, the true Jesus that we're referring to from the scripture, he got he got cloned a long time ago. Okay, he got cloned way back at the begin beginning of Romanism, and this Gnostic Jesus came in and he took over. And of course, I mean, even on the natural side of the coin, even the Jewishness of Jesus got hijacked by you know people that were Gentiles and turned Jesus into this Gentile in their image. So that started all the way back there. And, of course, I just talked about, you know, the the son of God. It was really the son God, okay, Mithras, that they turned into Jesus Christ, the son of God. And that has run all the way through history. But now we've got we're down to a totally different Jesus. This Jesus has no resemblance to the powerful man and, you know, God in the flesh that we read in the Gospels and that is proclaimed in the New Testament, nothing like him at all. So they're not even worshiping the Christ of the scriptures to begin with. We, we had a discussion in, in my ministry a couple programs back uh, when we were talking about talking about Jesus with other Christians, Christians that are, you know, in the, in the arenas that you're talking about. And I said, well, the first thing we have to ask is what Jesus are they talking about? 
Are we talking about the same Jesus? Because if we can all agree on this Jesus, if the Mormons can agree, even the Islamists can agree, you know, the Muslims can agree, and the, and the Jews to some degree, and all the different factions of supposed Christendom can agree, and the New Agers can agree, and everyone can agree on this Jesus, then what Jesus is this? Is this the Jesus of the scriptures? The Jesus of the scriptures said, do not think that I have come to send peace, but I have come to bring a sword to yes. divide a man against his own father, a mother against her daughter. All these things that he said, he, he, he was very clear and, and he cut the line so many times. Yet this ecumenical Jesus that we see being proclaimed, uh, anything goes, like you say. So, no, it doesn't shock me that when you turn the very what do I want to say, lead character or foundational cornerstone of, of this faith called Christianity, when you turn this into an aberration, when you turn him into a homosexual, or you turn him into a patriot, or you turn him into a money-loving, hungry, greedy Wall Street guy, or you turn him into a spiritualist, you turn him into a Muslim, a Hindu, you turn him into all these different things, then those doctrines of demons and those seducing spirits are able to take that out further and further and further and further. And like I said, when we first started here, because there's nothing to run that up against, to measure that, okay, to say, okay, wait a second, here's the standard. Does this match, right? Remember that... I don't know if you guys had it in Canada, Sheila, but we had Sesame Street growing up. Yeah, we, yeah. Which one of these things doesn't belong together? They would show, like, put up, you know, a bunch of fruit, like apple, banana, orange. And then they would throw in a monkey wrench or something. And they would say, what doesn't belong here? But they had the standard of what did belong there to begin with. So when what didn't belong there was brought in, it was recognizable. Well, that's the same principle that you have here when it comes to Christian doctrine and Christian practice. If you don't have that standard to begin with, if the landmarks have been removed, if the foundations have been torn up, like it says in the Old Testament already, and you don't have that canon, okay, which means the rule, there's nothing wrong with that word, actually, that Latin word canon, the measurement, the rule, then there's no, there's no resistance. You can bring anything in. And nobody has any foundation spiritually, academically to say, hey, hey, whoa, 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 wait a second. I recognize that. That's from this school of thought. That's from that spiritual practice or religion. Or that doesn't match with what the scripture says we're supposed to do or not do. It's, it's gone. It's not there. So then these things can just go wild and of course the bottom line is it's all about today it's all about expediency today it's about hey what sells and what doesn't i'm thinking about this movie i saw i don't know if you ever saw the uh, life of levin davis or something it's a fictional thing about a bob dylan type character in the 60s who you know writes his own folk songs he's in folk music and he goes around and he goes to audition for this guy and he plays this beautiful song. I mean, really ingenious lyrics, very well sung, performed. And the guy sits there listening to the whole thing. Looks like a very successful audition. And the guy says this after he gets done playing. He says, I don't see any money in this. 
And that's the bottom line. I don't see any money in this. Doesn't matter how good it is. Doesn't matter. I don't see any money in this. And that's what comes that what we're talking about when we're talking about what's going on in the counterfeit church system in, in all different areas. It's about what brings in the crowd. It's about what entertains the people. It's about what's lucrative and profitable, okay, and popular. No different than it is in the world. And that's the bottom line. And people are no deeper than that. People are coming to Sunday service or they're coming to these conferences and conventions. Yeah, they come in the name of God. They come in the name of this Gnostic Jesus. Uh, whatever they come in, they even come in the name of all these different doctrines. They come for spiritual warfare. They come for intercession, healing. They come for prosperity. They come for grave sucking. Whatever kind of conference it is that they're, that they're throwing. They come for those reasons, and it's about the uh, sensationalism and the entertainment of all that. It's not about sound doctrine. What does the scripture say, and this was written 2,000 years ago, would be the landmark of the last days, that men will not be able to endure sound, sound doctrine. doctrine. It doesn't even say they won't like it, they think it's hokey. No, they, it says they cannot even endure it. They can't bear it, and this is where we are. It's almost like God gives them over to their disgusting, reprobate minds, isn't it? Yeah, well, we again, we think Romans 1 was written to Nero's court, you know, yeah. all the faggots in Nero's court and all the perverts. And, you know, but again, as I always remind professing Christians, the scriptures, the Bible, hallelujah, is not written to sinners. Okay, look, the letters, when you look, when you start to read one of the letters, what does it say? To the fellowship or the assembly or the believers at Colossae, believers at Corinth. Even Jesus himself, when he brings us this great eschatological apocalypse for all the world to know what's going to happen at the end of time and so on and so forth. Isn't it interesting that Jesus says to this writer, whoever John was, who, who uh, got this revelation, he says to him, Deliver this to the seven assemblies, mm. the seven churches. So Jesus didn't say, take this, get on CNN, Fox <laughs> News, get on the Internet, blast it out on YouTube, you know, tell the world what I'm going to. No, no. This was a message or a message to the churches. So we read scripture again. And we read things like Romans 1, and when we point our finger out at the world, you know, and we start pointing out all the sins out in the world, as if that was written for and about the world. But the scriptures were not written to and for the world, okay? That's why Jesus says in John 17 very clearly, the whole mystique of the body of Christ, that he is not praying for the world. He's not praying that this revelation— uh, that the Father gave him in this ministry and mission that the Father gave him would be, you know, broadcast to all the world. It's kind of a strange prayer if you measure that up against the way most Christian movements throughout history and today as well have treated the gospel message like it's meant for all the world. We're called to save the world. We're called to transform the world with the gospel. It really is strange then when you read the prayer of Jesus in John 17 
Because he seems to take the opposite line. Well, he actually says, "I'm." he says right in there, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. Those are his. So, and he's, you know, he's clearly making a distinction. I'm not praying for everybody. Not everybody is God's children. FYI, folks. Yes, exactly. I've been doing a lot of explaining about that. That's a good point. I've been, and this is a, a good point that the Christians, most Christians and most Christian leaders probably would disagree or not understand this point. Because uh, I've had this brought to me many, many times. We're all God's children. Yeah. No, we're not. What? What do you mean? <laughs> we are the world. We are the child. I said, no, that's Quincy Jones's scripture. <laughs> Uh, not the scripture <laughs> that you have in your Bible. The scripture that you have in your Bible says, yes, we are all created in the image of God. Yeah. Let us create man in our image after our likeness. Yes, we are all God's creation, except for the Nephilim hybrids that are running around in between us and ruling the world. The rest of us are God's creation, but there's... A big difference between being God's creation or God's creature and being God's child. That's why we have this whole presentation in the book of Romans by the Apostle Paul about the spirit of adoption. We are adopted into God's family. We are adopted as children. And by that spirit of adoption, Paul says, we can now cry Abba in Greek, or Daddy, Father God. But until we are adopted, we are not God's children. We are God's creation. Now check this out, because this is what Gnosticism teaches. Gnosticism teaches that we are all God's children because we are all created in God's image. And therefore, we all have that divine spark uh, or that Christ consciousness within us. It just needs to be awakened and come forth and overcome the ignorance of our beastly flesh, our simple, stupid, soulish, body-conscious life. This is what Gnosticism preaches. Now, think about what's being preached in most of what we call churches today. Is it not that message? Do Are they not reaching out to all God's creation and telling them we are all God's children and we need to awaken that potential in ourselves, that Christ consciousness? Because after all, we are all God's children. There's no distinction being made. And yes, Christianity, true, the way, the true way of Christ, um, people are going to be shocked maybe when I say this, is prejudice it is it's prejudice it's it's partial it is divisive it sets the distinction between those who have been transformed by the spirit of god through the word of god who have received the new birth transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his marvelous light if we were all god's children to begin with and we just needed to awaken the divine spark then we would already be in the kingdom. We're just asleep in the kingdom. But the scripture speaks very clearly about a transferring from one kingdom, which is called darkness or evil, into the kingdom of his marvelous light, which is associated with goodness and righteousness and purity and holiness. So Jesus told Nicodemus, 
He cannot even see the kingdom of God, except he be born again of the Spirit of God from on high, from the heavens. In other words, from God's hand. He cannot even see the kingdom. For that which is born of the flesh is flesh, Jesus said, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So that which is born of the flesh cannot remain just born of the flesh as just a creation of God and be God's child. In order to be adopted by the spirit of adoption and to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, one must be born again of the spirit from on high. He must die to that old man. He must repent, turn around and have a change of heart and mind. And it's a spiritual and supernatural operation of the Holy Spirit of God. It's a supernatural act initiated by the Godhead. It is a complete change of the very physiology as well as the spirituality of man. It, behold, if any man be in Christ, he is a new what? Creature. Old things are passed away. What do we say? He passed away. Old things must die. Behold, all things are become new or resurrected. In the context that Paul is writing, in the rest of that passage, he's speaking about the resurrection. So that old man that is born in sin, conceived in iniquity, carries the image of sin, has to die and the new man, which is recreated in the image of Jesus Christ and holiness and righteousness and godliness, has to rise. That's what water baptism is all about. You know, we hit the water, we pass away. We go under the water, we're buried with him in baptism. We come back up out of the water, we are risen to new life in Christ. It's a figure of what is really supposed to supernaturally be happening spiritually when we come into the new birth. So how many people today are going through that process that I just talked about? How many places will you go and hear that preach the way I just preached it? You won't. You only hear about Jesus has the best for you, your best life now. Jesus wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. He wants to heal you. He wants to say, even save you. But the premise is, you as you are. We even sing the song, you know, it's misguided, come as you are. The problem with coming as you are is when you leave as you are. That's okay to sing come as you are if you're coming to the cross to die on it yeah. and to be risen again. But if you come as you are and leave as you are, but, you know, you're just getting some gifts that Jesus has to give you, then you're the same old dead man. So therefore, the majority of those that are in what we call the church, I call the counterfeit church, they're unteachable. Why are they unteachable? Because they're dead men. They have not been spiritually regenerated. They have not been born again of the Spirit from on high. Exactly right, which is why these Christians are attracted to these doctrines. They're all over these like a cheap suit. And you can see this even, you posted that uh, warning kundalini Gnosticism at Perry Stone meeting, that video. And every other day, there's some bizarre new movement going on in the church. Yes, and there's also, 
this fake Jewness that so many Gentiles are getting all caught up with. Do you realize that this messianic movement, okay, uh, and you can link Christian Zionism to that. Christian Zionism is more the political side of it. And, you know, the messianic approach to Christianity is the spiritual or church side of it. The extreme that it can go to. And that's what was shown in that video is when, you know, when I saw that video, I'll tell you where my mind went right, right off, Sheila. My mind went right to the desert of Mount Sinai. Mm. I saw a bunch of apostate, backslidden Hebrews dancing to a golden calf that Mm. they had created with the wealth and the pagan traditions and witchcraft that they had taken with them out of Egypt. And, and you know, this is how ridiculous it gets. And this is where, uh, just to mention, you know that 90% overall, give or take, 90% of the people that get involved in these messianic congregations and get all involved in this going back to being under the Jewish law in whatever sense, Sabbath keeping, feast keeping, diets, you know, all these ways of worship and all these different things, messianic stuff. Uh, do you know that 90% of these people are Gentiles? So initially the messianic movement supposedly, which started in the 19th century in England and then really took off in the 1960s and seventies under the Jesus movement in the United States, Jews for Jesus and so on and so forth. This was supposedly to win Jews to Christ. But if you really look at the statistics, uh, first of all, people who are Jews are not naturally proselytizing. They're very uh, cultish. They're very to themselves. It's a community that is very exclusive. So it's, they don't naturally have this outreach going on. And Jews were not drawn by this, messia- this messianic Christianity. They were repelled by it because they see any Jew who becomes a Christ lover or a Christian as an apostate, as a traitor to the Jewish faith. But instead, what it did was pull in all these Gentiles who were looking for a deeper, more esoteric, fleshly draw to this Christian thing. No different than in the time of Paul. Notice where Paul dealt with that. He dealt with that in Galatia. He didn't deal with that in Jerusalem alone. Paul dealt with that out in Galatia and other places. The Gentiles were being brought under this yoke. That's what Paul was fighting for. He said, you dumb Jews, if you want to you know, keep doing that, even though Christ died right in front of you, right on your doorstep, and you want to keep... But leave my Gentiles alone, will you please? They're coming to the real Christ through faith, by, you know, by grace. Please leave my Gentiles alone. And it's the same thing today. So the extent of where this thing can go, when I saw this video of them dancing before this fake Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, that was frightening. I mean, first of all, the dancing was very, very, you know, crazy. And, and you have to question that. But even beyond, let's get past the, the dancing and, and what was going on there. I mean, these people are supposedly trying to go back and honor the old covenant, right? The law of Moses and so on, the Ten Commandments. Well, by doing what they were doing, they were blatantly blaspheming and stepping all over and mocking the second commandment of the Decalogue, of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt make no graven image of anything that is in the heavens and bow down to it 
or worship it. Where's the Ark of, of the Covenant? The real Ark of the Covenant, we're told in Scripture, is in the heavens. Yeah. And, and Moses made a replica of that according to uh, God's command at that time on the earth. Okay, But this, this was a, I mean, who knows what it was made of? I doubt that it was made of real gold and everything else like the original Ark was made of. All right? I mean, even these prosperity people couldn't afford to do that, probably. <laughs> so... They're dancing in front of this thing. So by lifting up what's supposed to be in that ark, right? Because we're told in the ark what was in there. The two tablets, Aaron's rod, right? On those tablets that's supposed to be in that ark is written, Thou shalt make no graven image of anything that is in there. So this is how crazy it gets. This is how crazy and how off, far off, people can go when they get into these doctrines of demons. Well, and the other big one is this Shekinah glory, this glory cloud movement. What's up with that? Well, this is, again, reaching back to the old covenant. You know, it's just, I think it's so grievous to the Holy Spirit and to Jesus and the Father who sent the Holy Spirit so that they could take up residence within us. Okay, Jesus said, if you believe in me, then my father and I will come and make our abode in, in that person. And of course, he gives that whole speech from from John 14 through 16 about the comforter, about the Holy Spirit that he was going to send. We know that Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Uh, they have sent this glory of God to dwell within the believer. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We receive the Holy Spirit into our beings, into our very beings, into our spirit, as the seal unto redemption, okay, as the down payment for the purchased possession. In other words, Christ is going to resurrect us and we'll be completely transformed. But until then, those of us who have truly believed and received the Holy Spirit, the Spirit living within us. So we are the temple of the Lord. So here you have a couple of, of the heresies and the apostasies that I talk about all the time. First point, what is the temple or who is the temple of the Lord? Which is the right question. Who is the temple of the Lord? We, according to New Testament theology, teaching, we are the temple of God. So where does the glory of God dwell in the Old Covenant? In the Holy of Holies, in the temple of the Lord. Which is a foreshadowing of us. It's a foreshadowing of us. The body is the outer court. The soul is the inner court or holy place as far as I'm concerned. And the Holy of Holies is our spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes to take up residence in our spirit. So these people, these temple masons, these temple worshipers, these people that are still under that witchcraft spirit of Freemasonry and Illuminism, uh, the temple builders, the temple worshipers, still under the, the yoke of Roman Catholicism, as much as they think that they protested against it, if any of these people today even know what Protestant means. But for the, those of us that are older and know what Protestant means, that it was a protest against the Roman Catholic apostasy, uh, they're still temple worshipers. They still go to temples to worship this God. And they still treat God as if he is outside of themselves, which he may very well be for these people, because most of them have probably not truly been born again and received the Holy Spirit inside of them. So they're temple worshipers, and therefore they're asking 
the Shekinah glory of God, so to speak, to come and fill their temple, the place where they worship. Where do they get this from? They get this from the story in the Old Covenant about Solomon when he built the temple unto the Lord that the, you know, the Spirit of God manifested himself in that physical temple to such a point that the priests and the musicians could no longer stand to minister because of the cloud of glory that came into the temple, which was probably the Holy Spirit making his entrance into the temple to take up his seat or throne in the Holy of Holies. And the presence of the Lord was so powerful that these people could not even stand to minister. Well, that's wonderful for the Old Covenant Hebrews who were under the law, who did not yet have the promise of the Spirit of God coming to live inside of them because the eternal Son of Man was still seated up in the heavens as Enoch saw him uh, next to, to God the Father. Up in, He had not yet taken human form and come and been tempted and tried and tested and laid down his life for sin and rose again from the dead and sent the Holy Spirit. This had not happened. They were still under the yoke of the old covenant. They were still under the schoolmaster, as Paul puts it, which led man toward the advent of the Messiah. But the Messiah had not yet appeared in time and space and sacrificed himself for the sins of man so that that glory, which was hidden behind that veil in that physical temple, could be released and come and enter into those who truly belong to the Godhead. That had not happened. So that was wonderful for them. But what does that tell you about people today who claim to have believed on Christ, who claim to have the Holy Spirit? Because after all, they said the sinner's prayer. And when they said the sinner's prayer, mystically, invisibly, quietly, silently, the Holy Spirit came to take up residence in them, and he lives in them, as far as they're concerned, even though there's no evidence of it. You know, it's the antithesis of Acts chapter 2 with these people. Uh, if they were still worshiping in temples made with men's hands, and now we're, to, we're not even talking about temples that were constructed according to God's divine blueprint and commissioned by God to be built. Okay, God commissioned Solomon to build that temple. Uh, you know, for and God had it, you know, built for his glory. We're talking about pagan temples that pagan Gentiles have built to worship their Masonic God, this false Gnostic Jesus in. And they want the glory cloud to come in and fill their temple. Well, they've missed it. They've missed it because they've missed the most glorious part of the gospel, which is that God through what Christ has done on the tree by suffering for our sins and rising from the dead and conquering death, sin, and Satan, he's made us his temple, and the Holy Spirit can come and dwell in us. They've missed that. They want the Holy Spirit, who is still outside of them, to come and fill their church house, their church temple, that they've built with their hands, okay, they're moving in the spirit of Cain. They bring the offering of that which they've made from their own hands, from the, the dirt of the earth, of the ground. 
and they present it to God as a sacrifice. But God rejects the sacrifice. And they can dance and jump and sing and do all that they want. But they are not bringing the sacrifice of Abel, what God commanded. Abel brought the sacrifice that God commanded, and God was pleased with it. And what happened? The Cain spirit murdered the Abel spirit. Mm, yeah, that's good. Really good. You'll get a kick out of this, Danny. Years ago, I was in this church, and I had walked in. I was kind of standing at the back, and the, the preacher up on the platform said, Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? And I thought, um, we are the house of the Lord, not these four walls. That's right. Correct. Well, Danny, in the waiting moments, if you would do us the honor of praying for us, and also if there's maybe there's people listening to this show that are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, if they are truly seeking that, well, there's no distance in the Spirit. So if you would, please lead us into a prayer. Sure. Heavenly Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for sending our precious Lord for all that we've talked about, and especially for sending the precious Holy Spirit. And precious Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord, for making yourself available. We, we talk so much about Jesus being willing to come and be on the earth in the flesh. But Holy Spirit, you are willing to come to the earth and dwell in this flesh, these temples of ours. And we just thank you, Lord, and we give you praise and glory for doing that. And we thank you for how you lift up our Lord Jesus and you fulfill the Father's will. I just pray right now for people that are listening in Jesus' name. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. If you are hungry and thirsty, Jesus said, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I pray right now in Jesus' name, if you are longing for this, and you're saying, yes, I want that. I want to be filled in the Holy Spirit. I want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want to speak in new tongues. I want to prophesy. I want to move in the different gifts that the Holy Spirit manifests through believers who believe in, in Christ. Then right now in Jesus' name, I just release that by faith, where two of us shall agree on earth is touching any one thing we shall have what we say and we say right now the breath of god enter your being right now enter into your spirit be filled in the holy ghost and fire right now in the name of jesus christ of nazareth receive the person of the holy spirit into your being open your spirit open your heart open your mind your whole being your body and receive the very person of the Holy Spirit into your being right now in the name of Jesus with complete evidence and manifestation of his presence through speaking in unknown tongues right now in Jesus' name. Be filled in the name of Jesus. Be filled right now in Jesus' name. As Jesus told that woman at the well, if you would have asked me for water, I would have given you a cup of water and you would never thirst Again, he stood up at the feast and he said, all you that are thirsting, come to me and I will give you rivers of living water that will flow out of your belly. So right now, in the name of Jesus, anyone who's under the sound of my voice right now, in the name of Jesus, receive. If you have not yet received the baptism in the Holy Ghost, receive it in Jesus' name right now. Be filled in the Holy Spirit and fire baptized right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the peace of God, the power of God. Enter into your being, take up habitation in your being, possess your being, and fill you with his joy, his love, 
and his power and authority in the name of Jesus Christ. We give you all the praise, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. They felt that went over in the UK, Danny. <laughs> Listen, well, what does it say there in Mark 16? It says, they shall speak with new tongues. And guess what? When you go up a phrase, it says, he who believes and is what? Baptized shall yeah. be saved, Danny. So very important scriptures all throughout. Do not get this confused, folks. There is a difference. If you are not water baptized, you did not die with Christ and rise up out of that water. Listen, Danny will baptize you in a tub on Skype. Today. We've got to, I mean, hey, there's no distance. A centurion, what did he say to Jesus? You don't even have to trouble yourself. Don't worry about coming to my house. You just say the word. Well, guess what? We are really the vessels of Christ in this earth right now. And he has given that authority to us. It says in Luke 10, 19, the keys to the kingdom he who believes and is baptized, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Don't be condemned tonight, folks. Ask yourself that question. Am I condemned? Will, will Jesus say to me, get away from me? I never knew you. Because guess what? Jesus was not talking to the world in that scripture. Danny, it is always such an incredible treat, a, such a blessing to have you on the program. Do tell the new listeners where they can find your website. Tell them about your fellowship call and just whatever you want to tell them. Thank you very much, Sheila. It's been a pleasure to be with you again. Uh, we still have the website, godisnotreligious.net. Godisnotreligious.net. And you can find incredible teachings, both audio, video. There are articles on there. Uh, there's still an open blog question and answer, and so on and so forth. All my books are on there. You can find the, the books that I've written on the various subjects. And you can also connect to our other modes of ministry, which we have a YouTube channel now, God is Not Religious. You can find us on YouTube directly, or you can go there through the website. You can navigate right to, to there through the website. And we also have a Facebook page, God is Not Religious, which is very active. And we put up uh, stuff every day, and it's open for everyone to be able to communicate. You're able to even post things if you have things that you feel would be a blessing to others, or you have prayer needs, or you have testimonies, or you just want to fellowship with other believers through the Facebook page that's open to you. God is not religious Facebook page. And we have online Koinonia Fellowship calls. We have those on Tuesday and Thursday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we have what I call church online on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And these are a great time. People are just have so much fun and get so much out of these calls because it's not a church service where all you do is sit and listen, but everyone is welcome to participate, especially on Tuesday and Thursday. We want to equip believers, mobilize believers, release believers, and let believers have a, a forum, a platform to share what's on their heart. Uh, even when I'm not involved, I'm not on there all the time because I have people that the Lord has brought to such maturity uh, that I'm letting them go for it because they have ministries already of their own. God is just using them mightily to minister to one another and to the people that come on the calls. And on Sunday, I always bring a teaching as well. And we're there to minister to people. And it's just a, a wonderful time of fellowship. It's a real alternative for people when they come out of the counterfeit yeah, church system. Yeah. Because we're crying, you know, the Christian form of Paul Revere, we're crying, the, you know, the British are coming. Come out of her, my people. We're crying and we're saying to people to come out 
of this false church system, but people are looking then for an alternative. Well, these fellowship calls and this church online is an excellent alternative. It's real fellowship people. We have people coming on from Canada, Australia, Europe, sometimes Africa, all different parts of the world that come on this call. And people come on, for them sometimes it's one, three o'clock in the morning. That's how much they get out of it, that they're willing to come on at any time, even if it's out of their time zone. So God is really moving, and I just encourage you guys to join us. We love you all. Thanks again for having me. Thanks, Danny. Folks, that was Dr. Danny Morano from godisnotreligious.net. His information is bookmarked there in the description. If you do not currently belong to a church, go check that out. Like he said, it's a really fantastic alternative. Again, godisnotreligious.net. His contact information is there as well. And do reach out to Danny and let him know you heard him on the program tonight. What a blessing. Do not forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Follow me on Twitter. Like my Weekend Vigilante Facebook page and bookmark Sheila.media. Make sure that you are signed up for my free e-newsletter. Our mail poet was over the limit, so I couldn't get that out last weekend. And I'm going to be sending a November newsletter out within the next few days. Please stay in the loop by doing that and do not miss tomorrow's show. It is my good friend, powerful minister from Texas, Carla Butod. And I guarantee this is going to be a life-changing teaching. You're not going to want to miss that. Well, we're out of time. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night and God bless.